What's up, guys? Well, it's Nurses Podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendera, myself, and Matt Slartrick. On this podcast, we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. We are doing a Zoom recording today. This is because Matt is 2,000 miles away over there in San Diego. How's it going, Matt? Welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast where we're switching it up today because we're me and Petey are talking virtually, not in person. And also, we don't have our gear yet because I just got here. My car is in transit. So if the audio sucks a little bit this week, sorry, guys, but it's only going to get better because we're not giving up on the show. We're here. We're recording. And let's do this, right? Yeah. All right. Start us off. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Take us out on Facebook. Download episodes. We're also on YouTube. You guys are having a good day. I'm in Chicago. It's cold. I forgot to mention the Facebook group. I see a few more requests and people are hopping on. So continue doing that, guys. And we're only going to be improving the group and making it more interactive. All right. So episode 34, what do you got in store for us, Matt? So on today's episode, we're going to talk about like my travel nursing experience, um, how the process went, what happened, but just like the little tidbits that could help you guys if you guys want to start travel nursing. And then prior to that, we're going to talk about talc uh, powder, how Johnson and Johnson's getting sued billions of dollars for um, cancer, um, the product causing ovarian cancer. Yeah, that's correct. How's the weather over there? Over there, I haven't asked you. To be honest, man, it's they've they've had like this peak of hot temperature where it's in the seventies and eighties, but right now it's like in the sixties, really cool. So if you want to go for a run in the morning, you could put a shorts on and a long sleeve slash shirt will do. So it's nice, man. I'm enjoying it. That's cool, man. Lucky you. I had a shovel snow off my car this morning. It's pain in the ass. Was it? Yeah. I can't. It was horrible. I can't recall how that felt. That was like last year. Yeah, you don't want to know. All right, but for the health news, so talc powder, it's called. Uh, talc powder is found in a lot of baby care products, like baby powder, a lot of makeup, things like that. And Johnson Johnson has been caught using, I guess not properly filtered talc powder, which contains asbestos, which we, we know it's cancer causing. And it's actually an ongoing case. It's a continuous case. I think it started back in 2016. And so far about 13,000 families have filed lawsuits against Johnson Johnson. Um, there was a family of 20 or there were 22 families that actually took them to court and they actually won claiming that asbestos in their baby products caused the woman to get over any cancer. And they're actually awarded over $4 billion worth of money. And it's crazy if you think about it, because baby powder, we're putting it onto kids and we're, you know, pampering their butts and things like that. And sometimes you hear how like the baby is getting like a rash or the skin is red and you would never correlate it to that. Baby powder has the bestest, you know, like you don't think about that kind of stuff. Like my friend that I know that does like um, tile floorings and things like that. If the house was made on older tiles that contain a best, it's called a bestesis, um, they will not do the flooring. They'll, they, they need somebody to come in like with a hazmat suit and kind of clean it up. So it's crazy how toxic this um, compound is, but yet it's in their um, baby powder. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to think about it. I've read about it a little bit um, a couple of days ago, and the way the negative effect of asbestos is when you in- inhale it. It's not, not so much like touching with your skin, it's when you breathe it in where, where it does a, does a damage. So it won't really irritate your skin. 
unless you're kind of sensitive to it, most of the damage is going to come from you breathe, you're breathing it in. So imagine, you know, you're putting baby powder on a baby's butt and you're actually going to breathe, breathe in some, you know, because that's powder's going to kind of anywhere. It's a powder, so it's going to spread. And, you know, these items have been linked to having asbestos, which we know causes cancer. I know asbestos is, like Matt said, a lot of old houses, they have older insulation that might have had asbestos in, inside just because of the metallic powder. Metallic powder is used for many things, not only makeup products, but also using using insulation and, and different items like that, where it's supposed to be filtered, but some of these companies try to take shortcuts or there's always like a margin of error that, that occurs where a percentage of the products are not filtered properly. So you're going to get some asbestos in there, unfortunately. And like we said with the baby powder, so imagine if you're using baby powder with, with um, traces of asbestos, then you're putting on makeup with traces of asbestos and you're breathing both those things in, you know, th- those might add up. So it's kind of scary to think about it that, you know, we're exposing ourselves but think about the baby as well. So think about the infant, the five, five-month-old infant that's already breathing asbestos. That's where the true damage is going to come from. Yeah, and, and all the females and anybody that uses any cosmetic products, I think you guys should look into doing your research and seeing what's con, what's con, um, containing the talcum and trying to get rid of those products because they are carcinogenic and you shouldn't be using them. So try to do hairband free and try to use as little as possible because ultimately the real beauty is inside right peter yeah you know it's always inside but you know you could only look at the. i mean you can't look at their terminal you know forever unfortunately you know what i'm saying that that is true so the research that we did is i don't know how big the research study is but it basically was controlled and it, it's it is linking to a more ovarian cancer correct and what Johnson Johnson was getting sued for was um, mesothelioma. So basically, that's the lining of the lungs and like the pericardium in the heart. And also some digestive um, organs have that um, lining. And that's where the tumor has been shown to grow. And that's what the people are trying to receive um, compensation for from Johnson Johnson. That is correct. There's different types of mesothelioma, but the one in this case, um, we're just talking about the mainly the one that occurs in, in the lungs. And like Matt said, there's there are research studies that that show that there is damage leading from traces of of asbestos exposure. But there are also some studies that link saying that has no effect. So there's 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 mixed studies. But why even put yourself in that place anyways? You know, why, you know, like we said before, there's multiple products that might have asbestos. Why even try? You know, try a different method or just use them as minimally as possible because. There's a margin error, margin of error while some of the stuff is going to get filtered through. Yeah. So DYOR, do your own research and make sure you're moving any products that contain it. Simple as that, right? Yeah. And I also looked at some um, stats about mesothelioma. So most mesothelioma is, occurs in men just because men tend to work construction more of, um, you know, like insulation, more of the they have more exposure to it just because of the, of the jobs they do. So mostly men between the age of, um, I think it was 25 and 64 get it. And usually it's in the later stages because you don't get the symptoms of mesothelioma until like stage four. That's when you get shorts of breath and cough. And then you go to your doctor, they do a biopsy, they do the scans and they see that, you know, you have a tumor in the landing of, of your lungs. But People don't, don't feel it growing or stage one and stage two because it's, it's, it's curable in stage one and stage two. It's manageable. You could do chemo. You could do certain radiations that they, they could cure you of it. 
But unfortunately, a lot of the times it gets caught in stage four where your prognosis is about a year to a year and a half left to live, which is, which is very sad. And I'm not sure what state you're in, but I know in Illinois, I see a lot of mesothelioma lawyers, like commercials going on, especially at, at night in a hospital. I'm not sure if you noticed the same thing, Matt. I have actually, when I'm giving my patients bath and that's like that me time. And sometimes I'm looking at commercials and you know, the limp life alert goes on. And also yet yeah, there's lawyers that are suing for different medical devices. One of them, they do talk about mesothelioma, but I don't know if there was a correlation between that and baby powder. I didn't look at it to that degree till I read this article about Johnson Johnson. Yeah. Well, those commercials mainly talk about people that are over the age of 65 to have worked these these labor jobs, like, you know, construction, things like that, where they've been exposed. And I actually made a mistake on, on the stats. It's actually people that are 65 and older men that, that get it. It takes about 20, 55 years to, to develop. That's why it's it's a slow forming cancer. But like I said before, that we don't catch it till stage four usually. And that's when a prognosis is, is, is very bad because this occurs over years of exposure and just takes time to develop. So unfortunately, it's it's a very deadly cancer. Okay. You want to move on to the, our next part of the podcast where we're kind of do some interview questions. So I'm, the, so I'm getting interviewed now, huh? Yeah. Yes, you are. Yeah. You're on the spot. We should, we should make you an interview hat. A little number one. I should have grabbed one. And by the way, guys, next week or the week after this episode airs. So the middle of November, we're finally going to get a guest on and start doing that more often. So if you guys are tuning in, you guys are going to be in for a new surprise with an upcoming guest, which is a secret for now. Yeah. All right, Matt. So set it off. So where are you? Where's your contract right now? Where are you stationed? So I signed a 13-week contract with um, with a hospital called Kaiser in San Diego. So I'm, I just relocated um, two days ago, actually. So I finally got settled down. Uh, my cart is still in transport that has like the podcast and equipment and everything else. Um, I guess a little audio error there. Okay. And um, on top of the, do my turn up. That's okay. So after, after the, um, the contract I signed, I just flew in instead of driving because it's 2,300 miles. And that's not something I like to do again. When we went to Oakland in April, it was just, um, and the ass to drive that far so yeah it's just um it's a, it's a nice journey okay so is this where you originally wanted to go like were you aiming for 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 san diego or were you just looking for a, this all-around contract and this is the one that you stumbled up that you thought was the best so i have my license in california and um, the reason why i don't choose other like states to want to go travel at least yet just for the sake of money, it costs, like, for example, to get your California license, it was like 500 bucks up. So why spend that time, the fingerprints and everything else? So as of now, I'm just choosing San Diego because of the warm weather instead of being in Chicago. I heard it snowed there a couple of days ago. So good luck to you guys there shoveling snow in Chicago. And it's just, it's just something I want to do. It's just the vibe that I get here just draws me in and I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, there you go. Hope you have some fun. Is a thirteen-week-long contract? It is, and usually that's what they're that's what they go for. The average is like thirteen weeks. I know. Remember, me and you, we did like an eight-week one just to kind of try it out and get our feet wet, and that wasn't bad either. But I think the thirteen weeks are nicer because you have kind of settled down and kind of get to know everybody and things like that. 
Okay, and it's in the ICU, correct? It is in the ICU. So I signed up for 13 weeks ICU, but as you know, you, you get to float a lot. So it depends on the volume of patients. And I feel like maybe this is a conspiracy, but I feel like they like getting ICU nurses because they have like the all around experience, whether it's tele or PCU or med surge, and they'll just float you. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think they prefer hiring a nurse with better experience so they could float you around? Oh, for sure. I, I think so. I think they try to hire, I feel like they try to hire a lot of ICU nurses and then just float them around just because you naturally know more as an ICU nurse or not, not necessarily that you naturally know more, you know how to um, take care of emergent situations compared to like, if you have like a regular metric, you know, floating around, you still have the benefit of the ICU nurse because you could put them in the ICU or you can put them in a med surge. So you can use them and, in and that's, what, and that's what that is, is because they, you're just more disposable in a way. You're just a better asset to them. And they're already paying you so much. So might as well have somebody with more experience. And what happened with that is like the previous contract is we floated like 50% of the time. We were like in rehab. We were in med surge, like stroke floor, tele. It was just literally worked everywhere. I didn't get as much meds or ICU experience in Oakland when I went. So we'll see how this, um, this contract is. Yeah, we're going to be happy to hear your experience. You, I know you travel with a different company this time. I'm not going to get into the name of the company because that, that's, that's irrelevant. But how was your relationship with this recruiter compared to the, to the last one? Um, it's interesting, man. So I feel like the recruiter I had before was a little bit more attuned with things, meaning like I would get reached out all the time, make sure I'm okay. And this guy, he's younger. He's awesome as well. Like, like his energy, I'm getting along with them. But sometimes, man, after like 4 p.m., man, he his cell phone is not on. Like, I'll leave a voicemail and he'll get back to me tomorrow, which which is okay. It's understandable. There's had There has to be a work-life balance. But sometimes right before my departure, I had a lot of questions or just I was a little bit anxious and wanted to hear things. And I just wasn't getting as fast of a response. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's unfortunate. But... Like you, like you said, you know, I'm sure he's got a good work-life balance where the, where the phone's off at a certain time. And you know, it, it, that works for him. That, that works for him unless, uh, unfortunately, you take the low ball on that one. And you have to cultivate that relationship with, um, with someone. So at the end of the day, it's your contract and you decide things on your own term. So let's just say if you're unhappy with the communication style or what's going on or things are being delayed, you let them know. Just be straightforward. Don't take shit from anybody so you become passive aggressive you know if you're feeling like let's just say me in this case um they're not giving me enough time or they're not responding to me let them know like hey man i need you to be more available for me during a b and c time you know like once my contract starts and i'm going to be working i don't have to hear from them every single day or whatever you just check out me once a week see how i'm doing that's fine but during like the onboarding process that I went through I prefer somebody that's a little bit more engaged with me just to kind of help me um, guide me through the process. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially if, if you're like newer traveling just because, you know, it's your second contract. So even though you've done one already, it's you're still fairly new to it, you know. So another question is, have you met with anybody in the hospital? Have you, have you talked to any managers, anybody from, you know, the hospital you're going to be, be working at? So... This, this is the thing that really blew my mind. And it's, no, I haven't talked to anybody. 
Uh, the way I got even hired is what Kaiser does is they do like a phone interview. So this phone interview, I recorded it like six months ago and they literally just accepted me through that. I didn't talk to anybody regarding management, anybody from the hospital. I try to get a hold of um, somebody there, like a manager, where I could ask them like about the unit or what kind of patients they get. They said they didn't have time. So me walking into the um, into orientation this week, it's going to be literally be, I don't know nothing or anybody or no hellos. So it's going to be interesting because the previous contract, the one that we went to together is we actually spoke with the, the, um, the manager online, or, I'm sorry, over the phone. So before I even accepted the contract, I talked to her, I asked her about like, you know, the relationship with the nurses, how the, how the unit is, how many beds, what kind of patients do they usually get? And like this contract, I'm just going in there completely blindfolded. So I'm, I'm excited more than nervous, let's just say. Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking. Like I know when our recruiter last time told us that, hey, I expect a phone call from manager. They want to, they want to talk to you. That, that was nerve wracking. But I'm, I'm glad they actually called just so you kind of spoke with somebody in the management. So you kind of got an idea of the unit, like the age group of the nurses, what the patient ratios are. You know, compared to now, you're kind of just going straight head in. Plus, plus, let's just say this: there's a huge turnover rate on this unit. They're offering sign-on bonuses and things like that. Like that should give you a little red flag to possibly think like, wow, this unit might be rough for me because nurses are unhappy here. They're leaving. They're probably burnt out. So having an interview like that, you're able to assess somebody's like voice and kind of figure out how the unit has been operating. Like this one, I have no idea. There's no expectations from me. Yeah. Well, you'll find out tomorrow, right? Is your first interview day or not interview, but um, your first... um orientation day, correct? Yeah. So they, what happens is after you finally do the onboarding process, they send you um, instructions, your first day instructions. They tell you where to go, how to dress up, what to expect. So when it comes to this hospital, the first three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's orientation. You probably do some computer work, you get your badge, little things like that. And then the next week you already start, we have one day orientation on the unit. So one unit, one day you you're with a nurse, they show you around, they make sure you're doing your shit. Second day you're already on your own. You better either sink or swim. And that's what kind of really that's what makes it like a thrill too, is that like you have to be adaptable, guys. Like you have to like learn how to like jump in where you are, figure everything out from supplies to like the computer system to how the nurses are, the bed, and just like jump in there and just get your game on. It's it's almost like a like a rush, like, you know, like people like speed on a motorcycle and they get like their little thing. I feel like this is where you kind of get like a little bit of, of a runner's high. Yeah. I mean, I liked, um, my first days on a new unit just cause, you know, even though you've been working in the ICU for a little bit, it's, you know, I got a West coast now and they have different ways of doing things. Protocols might be a little different. Like I know in Oakland, they made us get up ventilated patients, like up to the chair with a, with, with a vent and an ET tube. I was like, holy shit pretty scary but that was a standard of care so my next question is what did you have to do before going to san diego so i know you had some tests you had to do i know you had some vaccines you had to take care of what did you have to do before actually you know officially going to san diego i feel like i should just put a gun to my head instead of talking about it <laughs> joking it was just a freaking pain in the ass so 
because like this is a not only a new travel agency I had to do, it's a location that's a little bit more uptight with with things. Like the previous one, we did you know our like continuing education those little you know orientation modules you have to do. We we got them done while we're at the hospital. Like here, I had to do everything. I spent probably twelve plus hours doing modules. They made me take a stroke scale certification. I had to do like two EKG tests, which were kind of ridiculous. One of them I like failed because I did too little nursing interventions. You have to like write out what you want to do. I'm trying to think what else. Um, drug test, and then like. I went to go get blood work done. Then I refused the hepatitis B vaccine. So that made me go back and get a titer. Um, the other, the other facility didn't um, give me like my TB quantiferon tests. So then I had to schedule that and get it done again. So I was just jumping back and forth within that one month time frame of accepting the contract and just getting stuff done. And, and it's a lot and it's a headache. There's, there's due dates, for example, I failed the um, that EKG test and it took forever to get to the facility. So it was a day before my departure and they're like, Hey, get this done by 2 PM or we're going to push your start date back a week. I'm like, Holy shit. Okay. Let me get on the computer. Let me get this done. So the whole onboarding process, it could be stressful guys. Like that's probably the worst part of the, the whole nursing travel nursing contract. Yeah. It seems like a lot. I know. With compared to Oakland, what we did, like you said, we did everything on site because they had, you know, their manager was gone or whoever runs the unit was, you know, had surgery done. So it was kind of a little bit less organized. But I guess here they throw a lot of stuff at you, which, which you're right. It sounds like a pain in the ass. So you, my next question, go ahead. I'm sorry, I have a question for you, actually. Do you sure. feel like Oakland wasn't as organized? I know it's hard for you to compare because this was, you know, our first contract and I guess I'll be able to compare a little bit more once I start, but you personally, from what you heard from other people, do you feel like Oakland was unorganized? Yeah. I, even when we talked to the other travel nurse, she said, usually they make you do this beforehand and they never made us do this beforehand. They made us actually come in on the clock and actually work through, work through like the modules, right? So what happened. They give us a whole shift to do them. And even the other travelers just said that this stuff is usually done prior. They just sent it prior. And I believe they told us that they sent this stuff to us, but we never got anything like that. Am I, is that correct? Is that what happened? Yeah. And for, and for people, for a background story, so what happened is there's continuing education, meaning you need to do like, let's just say 30 plus hours of little modules about pain, how the hospital operates, HIPAA, little, little stuff. And they never sent it to us. Like I'm getting stuff done now. They basically told us, hey, you have to do this before your contract ends. And we had like a week left. So they literally took us off a shift and made us sit behind a computer at work and get these modules done. Right. And, you- and it wasn't right. And it wasn't just that we didn't get it because a few other nurses, travel nurses didn't get it either. So it was it wasn't a management issue. So my next question for you, Matt, is how did you send all your stuff to San Diego or how did you move from living here in Chicago to now living in, in San Diego, San Diego. Okay. So basically you, you, you need some balls. You basically need to like, just be very attuned plan, be proactive because things happen very quick. Um, one, one thing I, f- I did first is I knew that I'm going to want to tra- fly. So I booked a plane ticket earlier and it was nice and cheap. I got 130 bucks for a plane ticket with a luggage. Can't come, can't complain about that. 
And after, after that, I was looking for housing. So you have an option. Your travel agency could actually find you housing. Depends what kind of company you have. Some, some of them take all your stuff and so away. This one helps you find the lowest price. And what happens is then, you know, you could still have some money left over from your stipends. What I did personally, I went on uh, furnishfinder.com and I found a, a family that is renting out their apartment. I reached out to them. I talked to them and we, we made a deal. I negotiated the price and they sent me through a th- uh, third party app called Evail. And that's where I'm going to be doing my payments on like rent and things like that. And that's where I signed a contract for my lease technically. And the last thing I had to do is I had to find a car transport company. And I negotiated with my travel nursing agency that they could cover the costs of that. So hopefully it's not in contract, but he said he's going to help me pay for it. And there's some travel expense. So I found a company that's going to transport my car. They picked it up Wednesday. I flew in Saturday. And now I'm waiting till Monday for the car to come in. Was this, was it a, a hassle trying to ship your car there? Was it, was it hard to find somebody to ship it? Or was it something that you did online or make a phone call? Or how does that work? The, the way it started is there's this car call company and you put in your phone number and I didn't know that it exposes you to all these agencies. And I was getting phone calls, emails nonstop for like a day or two. But it helped me find which agency I want to use. And I was unhappy with one agency or the, the transfer company. And I actually got upset where to the point where I accidentally forgot I was on a, in the car and I rolled into a car a little bit. So that was my little only hiccup from too much stress, to be honest, before my contract. Um, but I found a broker and the broker took care of it. He found, he told me a price, he took care of the transport, he took care of everything. He gave me all the details. So if you want to transport your car, I recommend a broker. And if you guys really need a broker, let me know. I could give you guys personal information. He's an awesome guy from Detroit, I believe. And he took care of me from start to finish. Okay. That's cool. So I have one last question for you. So you resigned your contract. Is there anything that you specifically liked about this contract and there's something that you didn't like? Well, what would you change or what, would, what did you really find interesting about this contract and what would you change if you, if you could for next time? Great question. What I do like is compared to Oakland, in order for us to get like the overtime rate, you, you'd have to work past 40 hours. Um, it's the same thing here. But the thing is, is I, I could pick up one shift and I'm going to tap into my OT rate. And it's, it's a good amount of money. So I'm happy about that because I'm planning on to uh, picking up a shift at maybe at least once every two weeks or something like that. If, if time allows me, right. Cause there's other things happening. I want to like sign up for jujitsu and whatever, but I noticed in fine print, it tells me that I, I only could pick up no more than one extra shift a week. So there's a cap on travel nurses working too much overtime. Other than that, I don't think anything else yet with this contract. We'll have to see how everything works. Oh, I didn't get a vacation allowed. So one thing with Kaiser, they're very strict. They don't allow any time off. So for example, when you start a normal contract, you can negotiate up to like five days that you need to have off no matter what. Here, I don't have any of that. So when I go into um, schedule my days off with the, the scheduler, Hopefully I talk to her. I'm a little bit more nice and I'll able to, I'll be able to have a couple days off where 
maybe I could visit my family like in Christmas or in between New Year's or something like that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Um, you have any else you want to touch up on? Anything that maybe we would have missed? Anything you want to explain? Did you visit anything? Did you go um, doing any touristy things? So yesterday, actually, because I don't have a car, which sucks. So like, I don't have my car or my computer. I, I have my dual screen set up. So I feel so naked because I don't have my my little two little joys, let's just say. So what I did yesterday is I just went on like um, I wanted like a little foot foot exploration. I put my backpack and I walked a mile towards the beach. I chilled at the beach. I checked out food places. I grabbed a smoothie. I grabbed a, a, a bite at this awesome sandwich place. I, I love the vibe. Everything is, you know, because it's warmer. You can just walk down the street and everything. People are mellow. People are talking to you. So I enjoyed that part. But mostly it's just um, spending some me time, getting situated. Like my Polish genetics kicked in when I got here. So like literally I noticed the floors were dirty and I just spent like half a day of cleaning and vacuuming just to kind of make it feel more homey. Yeah, it's good. It looks like you're um, adjusting fairly nicely. I know. Look at the cool little plants here I got right there. Nice little fan. So I, I, I like the environment. Um, I actually met my neighbors. They're really cool. They're older, but they're taking me out for like Taco Tuesday and stuff like that, which is dope. So I'm, I'm trying to create a little bit of relationships just when I'm not like working or working on things like that. When I'm not working, out, I could kind of enjoy a little bit of like company. And hopefully, you know, the nurses are pretty cool or I could create a relationship with them and grab drinks or you know how you like your breakfast beers, Peter? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Cause it's good to kind of socialize and get to know people around you because you know, you travel nursing alone. It can get a little, a little bit lonely. You don't have me there with you anymore. You know, I can't keep you company. I can't read to you before bed, all that, all that fun stuff. So, you know, I guess you, you get along with it. So it's good to, you know, that you met your neighbors and all that. Cause I know that one nurse from Oakland said that she did a few contracts where um, she felt like she didn't fit in or she just didn't have anybody to talk to and she, she felt lonely, you know, and she was with her husband. So they both just kind of hung out all day, every day until their, until their contract expired. Oh yeah. She was a very interesting character, right? Like she was very open to like giving out a number and Hey, let's hang out. So I, I, I like that about her and um, yeah, you're right. Like sometimes I don't think, I don't think I'm going to get lonely because I'm technically here for this little journey of self-exploration but you know you know I, you are right like all these like friends that i don't have that are not here like you for example i'll probably have a little bit of like withdrawal symptoms from like um socialization let's just say so hopefully people are nice out here and i'm probably not gonna have a problem i'm just pretty yeah. talkative yeah I, I think you'll be okay well that's all i have for you matthew hope you have a a good um contract with a good day hopefully there's snow over there it shouldn't snow as global warming hits us pretty hard. Hope there's no hurricanes that come or anything. The only thing I'd be worried about is that freaking earthquake, man. Or um, supposedly there's a lot of um, forest fires in um, California. San Diego, I'm not too sure if it could touch this close. But they actually like signed a law. One of the neighbors told me that they don't have regular grass usually. They have like um, dirt with like plants. Like, you know, the shrugs that they grow without grass. So minimal water effort to prevent fires and also to help with, with the drought that California has. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that shit is cool. I know they do that in, in Arizona too, like the Southern States. Yeah. Well guys, that's all we have for you today. Hope you guys enjoy our podcast. 
If you guys have any travelers questions, feel free to message Matt. If you're in the San Diego area, feel free to message Matt so he doesn't get lonely. Hope you guys have a good day. Thank you guys. And um, don't forget, if you guys like this podcast, the way it grows is from word of mouth. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to like. If you think Peter was awesome and I was, give us a good rating. We only accept five stars. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, guys. Have a good one. And don't forget, we also got a checklist out. Travelers and Checklist, which Matt used and used it twice. Have a good one, guys. Take care.